Hello everyone and welcome to the Hybrid Hangout podcast. In today's episode we'll be talking all about Arsenal's final game of the WSL season. So heading into the game both teams pretty much knew where they were finishing. Villa had already secured fifth very safely by the point of the game and Arsenal had all but officially claimed their third spot and vitally that final Champions League spot as well. That's because for us to not get Champions League not only did we need to lose and Man City win they would also have to score a lot of goals about 11 goals obviously none of that happened so even though we lost we remained third got the Champions League spot taking a brief recap of the game so the team obviously were wearing their new kit I've seen some very mixed opinions about that I'd love to get everyone's thoughts so Jodie Taylor came pretty close in the eighth minute by getting a ball to Blackstenius but there just sadly wasn't quite enough power on it and even though it got past Hannah Hampton, she was able to scoop up in the end anyway. And while both teams definitely had spells, there wasn't really a shot that particularly tested either keeper to a huge extent in the first half, until really late on, Frieda Mornham got a shot on, but Hannah Hampton, who is probably in the form of her life right now, um, was able to punch the ball away in a pretty last-ditch moment. The villains were able to score sadly just before half time and I think this really put a further pin in the game. Aston Villa were definitely showing a bit more promise than Arsenal at this point but I think it was still pretty up in the air. I think they just really like sucked it out a little bit because it was so close to the half time whistle. Rachel Daly obviously in pursuit of the golden boot at this point was already ahead of second place Bunny Shaw but it was fairly close. Sadly her scoring in this game meant that she has now equaled Viv Miedemar's record of the amount of goals scored in a season, which is 22. Viv did this in the 2018-19 season. Although maybe this is sadder for Arsenal and the fans because from what we know from Viv, she's very, very humble. She doesn't particularly focus on these elements and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if she didn't realise this was a thing until like Rachel Daly equaling her until she was told on the day the second half pretty much followed the same pattern of just not really being on it enough and sadly Alicia Lehman of Switzerland scored the second goal and the final goal of the game to secure Villa the victory overall I just think we struggled into getting into a consistent rhythm and Villa just seemed to want it that little bit more I think it is really difficult even if you are completely committed and it's, I think it's a very subconscious thing, but we've had obviously so many injuries, third place was pretty much wrapped up, it's quite difficult to really get in gear. So as we all know now, the WSL ended with Chelsea winning once again, Man United in second, so they will be in the Champions League for the very first time, and then as I said we got the last spot, Man City just really stuttering this season I feel, and getting fourth with no Champions League as reward. And to be perfectly honest, I feel like if Man City don't really start stepping it up, obviously they did have a big... Um, changeover of personnel in the start of the season that's quite a lot to overcome but I think if they don't start getting that consistency and really start pushing forwards Aston Villa may overtake them I honestly wouldn't be surprised at this point Aston Villa are really on to something right now 
But overall, I think the two main things that affected our game were the mistakes happening from our playing out of the back, so the distribution from the back, which is really uncharacteristic from Arsenal. Um, a lot of people have noted that both the men and women's team at Arsenal play in a very similar way in terms of always playing out from the back, even when it's you know very late in the game and they need that goal, they stick to their guns, if you pardon the pun, and focus on their own gameplay which is playing from that position so I thought that was honestly a little bit bizarre from Arsenal and I was really surprised that this is where we were struggling and then the other main thing was definitely just the quickness of the reactions Aston Villa just seemed to be a lot quicker to every ball and in transition they were really good at catching Arsenal out as well but overall maybe kind of falling flat at this final game I just think we ran out of steam a little bit which I think is completely understandable, but I think it's not surprising because actually if you look back at it, even though we won at Everton, Everton had spells and I think the goal line was very flattering and then against Brighton as well, I think the standards that we used to weren't quite there. I think this was definitely coming. Obviously, holding my hands up, I did kind of expect Arsenal to win or at least draw this game. I just thought they would, you know, home advantage, pull it out of the bag. But I don't think this is a surprising result. And obviously, it's interesting because when we first saw these fixtures, even at the start of the season when Aston Villa weren't quite where they are now, I think we did have the toughest game like last day obviously looking at um how man united had liverpool and chelsea had reading who have obviously now been relegated and then obviously that has just absolutely taken it up a gear given the season that aston villa have had the transfer windows but looking at the stats specifically arsenal actually had more possession they had 54 percent which obviously is fairly close but interesting to see that on the ball they had more control even though when I was at the game I think if you asked other people who were watching I felt that Aston Villa were in control of the game and perhaps this is where it comes down to it more but Arsenal only had three shots on target whereas Villa had six. Then after the game um, it was really lovely we had Kim Little doing a speech kind of thanking the fans, the players, the staff and then there was also a goodbye to Rafa she was presented with some flowers and then again, Lotta Vubamoy received her 100 appearances from Lee Williamson. Um, so great to see the like the Academy products doing that together. And then finally, we had the Supporters Club giving Jordan Nobbs a plaque um, with her shirt, which had the number of appearances she made. And there was also Frieda Mornham receiving the Supporters Club's Player of the Season. And finally, Jonas Eidvall also gave a speech. So just really, really nice to have that last game of the season at home, I think. And also, obviously, as the team did their laps of honour, it was great to kind of thank them for all they've done this season and really show that final bit of support. At the end of the game, we saw Lotta giving away some shirts. I think I think potentially Taya Goldie did as well. Um, Freedom Mornham gave her boots away and ended up running back into the changing rooms with some very green socks by the end of that run. Um, Steph Catley, Jen Beattie, they were all out there for a really long time. We saw Beth Mead kicking the football around. She did score a goal in front of the North Bank, which was great to see. Manu Zinsberger gave out some gloves and I believe her shirt. 
just lots of interaction. Frida also stayed out for a really long time. Um, Amber Rosegill, who, for those of you who don't know, obviously is a star in her own right, but has been dating Jen Beatty for quite a while right now. They also, if you haven't checked out their content, especially on TikTok, it's so iconic. Um, but basically, I got the absolute giggles, as did everyone else, because Amber attempted to score a goal, but it was saved by a kid. I couldn't quite work out if it was Kelly Smith's kid. It was either Kelly Smith's kid or a physio's child. But so funny, and Jen's reaction was brilliant. I also saw Amber signing a shirt, which I thought was great. And then, of course, Rafa Souza in her final game for Arsenal. That has all been confirmed now. She will be going off to the NWSL. She wrote a gorgeous what I can only describe as a love letter to Arsenal really recommend you go read that if you haven't it will be available on the Arsenal website she spoke about how it is to do with personal reasons nothing to do with the club she spoke about her teammates and what this time has meant to her and how she wants to tell her children about it one day Rafa definitely stayed out the absolute longest trying to make her way through as many fans as possible and was a really emotional goodbye and I think it's interesting because in the grand scheme of things she's not been there that long she's been there about 18 months but I think she's a prime example of the famous Arsenal quote about how if you play for the badge on the front they'll remember the name on the back and I think we really will remember Rafa for forever really she gave everything to the badge I think she really understood what it meant to be an Arsenal player and the importance of the club's values which I think is getting rarer these days especially just if you look at the men's game as well if you're combining the men's and the women's I think Arsenal's identity is at such a core of how we play and it was really moving how much she understood that and how much she valued Arsenal but Obviously, looking at what it means, I think this is probably the first player that Jonas has lost that he really, really, really didn't want to lose. Obviously, Jordan Nobbs was a loss, and I think in an ideal world, she would have been good to keep on board. Obviously, she was a great change maker, especially when she came on as a sub, but obviously that isn't what she wanted, um, which is absolutely fair enough. And I think, as we've all spoken about, a lot of respect was shown between Jonas Jordan and the club but I think in terms of the regular players this is the first player that Jonas wanted to keep and hasn't been able to through no fault of his own as we've said and ultimately it's really really difficult to find such a high quality left-footed centre-back the left-footedness of the centre-back is crucial there's just such a shortage in women's football and then obviously you got to look at how they're going to play especially if you look at how they're going to play with like Leah and Lotta as well and then on the topic of who is leaving let's obviously talk about some rumours of the transfer window that hasn't opened yet but is already I would honestly say it's transferring there's there's big vibes happening so let's start off with Anna Patton who is obviously an Arsenal player and actually an Arsenal Academy product, but specifically she has been on loan at Aston Villa for the second time now, and I think she is a very talented player, this is obviously no denying, but it's widely presumed that she 
might end up going out on a free. Obviously, Arsenal are notoriously secretive about the length and basis of their contracts with players. But there is interest, according to Emma Sanders from Aston Villa themselves, which obviously makes a lot of sense. She plays very regularly for them. And also Brighton. Talking of incoming players, the rumours of Benfica's Chloe Lacasse definitely continue, but the biggest news is definitely the Alessia Russo situation. Obviously, the Arsenal tried to get her in January, but it was unsuccessful. Now she will be, if she decides not to re-sign with Man United, she will be going out on a free, which would be a huge loss for the Mancunian side. But I would definitely say if she's staying in the WSL, it seems to be that Arsenal is the destination of choice. We do know for a fact that there have been conversations with the agent and Arsenal now. But what's really set this into another gear lately is that Arsenal legend, icon of the women's game, Emma Byrne, former goalkeeper, suggested, said in a Chelsea podcast actually, that it was happening and it was going to be really great for her and the side. Now, obviously... This doesn't mean for certain that it's happening. We don't know how much Emma knows. But this sort of thing has definitely happened in the past. For example, Rachel Corsi kind of revealed once in her column that she Jen Beatty was re-signing and this was definitely not in the news at the time. And then about a week later, Jen Beatty re-signed, of course. And on the topic of Arsenal legends, there was also a really similar situation when Anita Asante very casually mentioned that Arsenal would be signing Tobin Heath on Sky Sports, which hadn't really been too crazy in the news, to be honest. And then again, literally about a week later, Tobin Heath signs and the women's world of football just went absolutely crazy for that. So, while I definitely would take it with a pinch of salt, it wouldn't be unheard of that this could be true, and from what we hear, there's definitely still discussions ongoing. And obviously something really crucial to Alessia Russo's discussions with Man United is that they've had Champions League football secured for quite a while now, and obviously the suggestion previously was, oh, they're just waiting to see if they get Champions League football, which obviously be really fair. But, mm, I don't know, let's definitely keep an eye on this space, Gooners. And finally, the World Cup is less than 50 days away now, which is super exciting. I hope we're all really looking forward to it. Obviously, if we're in Europe right now, there is some concern about whether it'll be televised, which is just awful. Um, and a really serious situation that I hope gets resumed quickly. I think Ian Wright had some really interesting things to say about it on Counterpressed, actually, the other podcast. But basically, we now know who England are taking, and they are taking Lotte Vuber Moy, which is completely deserved. The shifts she has been putting in for Arsenal lately have been insane. And, of course, Jordan Nobbs has also been called up. And while she isn't an Arsenal player anymore, let's be real, she's always going to be one of our own. And I think, you know, where Jordan Nobbs goes, I'll be reporting on it, don't you worry. And finally, Victoria Pulova has been called up to the provisional 30-player squad for the Netherlands. Um, so we will know if she has made it to the World Cup on the 30th of June. 
I'll definitely be putting it on socials, so don't miss that. Um, no news so far officially on other players, but I think it's pretty safe to say the likes of Katie McCabe and Caitlin Ford and Steph Catley will also be heading to Australia. Well, actually, Steph Catley is already in Australia. We know that she's arrived safely and hopefully getting some really good relaxation time in ahead of the competition. But for now, that's what we know of the situation in terms of the transfer windows and the World Cup. It's been really great doing this podcast all this season. I'll still be posting a few things, maybe about the World Cup, and obviously there will be an end of season reminiscing and kind of evaluation coming up soon. And of course, you can look forward, I hope, I hope, look forward to more podcasts next season. I think I'll be doing the same plan of written pre-match previews on thehybridhangout.com and then post-match podcast chats on here for you. But thank you so much for listening all season long and I'll see you all really soon. Bye!